Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And welcome to another hour dedicated to inquiry, reflection, questions, possibilities, and more, all in our effort to understand exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour dedicated to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us integrate all of our knowledge and perhaps even challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour where we strive to evaluate knowing as inseparable from the total experience of our reality. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Now, before we begin, let's give a shout-out today to Dr. Wayne Dyer, for it's his birthday. So, happy birthday, Dr. Dyer. All right, each week I read a few of your letters as our way of paying respect to the importance you play in helping us to shape and improve our show in every way. Last week, our guest was relationship expert, Dr. John Gray. He informed us that the average relationship today lasts five years, and that about 50% of first-time marriages end in divorce. This, he explained, is due to unrealistic expectations, communication problems, and the failure to understand the opposite sex for its unique nature. Jennifer wrote, quote, We've hit the instant gratification age. Something or someone else is just a click away, close quote. You know how sad that is and how true it may be, Jennifer, but how much we miss in our endless search for what it is that we're unable to give of ourselves. Vicky wrote, great interview as always, Eldon. Thank you, Dr. Gray. Elaine wrote, Ravinder, your calm and loving energy always makes Eldon's radio chat room peaceful. Even when lively, like today, I enjoyed it much. All right, now, Rev, I understand that last week's chat room, in your words, was hot. It was I, a hot one last week. There was lots of comments that John Gray made that some of us reacted to, and we discussed them through. It was good. It was actually a really good conversation. We had all these different perspectives. I thought it was very educational, definitely helpful to me. All right. You, if you missed last week's show, remember that you can catch it in the archives. When you catch it on my website, you can see the uh, actual chat room and, and the log as it took place because we keep it up there. So be sure to go to the archives at Hay House and check out the log on, on my website. Now, Larrick from Finland wrote, My wife and I are hooked on Eldon. Just bought two of these great books. Well, thank you, Larrick. I appreciate your confidence. Jane wrote, love you even more for offering free help, and I mean it. Well, you're more than welcome, Jane, and I'll use your letter to segue into reminding everyone that we provide a number of free downloadable MP3 programs for our Hay House listeners as just a part of our own Pay It Forward program. These are not samples. This is the real deal, the patented and scientifically proven effective InterTalk technology. You can get yours by simply going to eldentaylor.com and choosing free programs from the left-hand navigation pane. Don't know how we could make it a lot easier. Porter wrote, I love InterTalk programs. I've been using them for years, and I've had incredible results. You guys are the best. Well, thank you, Porter. Todd wrote, bought your books, Mind Programming, and I listened to the Serenity and Music CD that came with it. Something must be happening. It's awesome. Work suddenly went, work suddenly sent me to France for a project, got back, bought a new car, and new iPad 2, started to relearn to stock and option investing, 
Good things happening to me. Yippee. Going to buy more Intertalk subliminals. Keep the momentum going. Awesome. You're the coolest. <laughs> I love it. Great for you, Todd. Great for you. Fabiola wrote, thank you for sharing your vast experience, your words, your books, and everything. Light and love to you. Well, thank you, Fabiola. Uh, and I'll do my best to live up to your wonderful words of encouragement. Mercedes Road, excellent radio show, and I love the challenge you give me to go beyond my limits. And Rebecca wrote, I'm reading What If. Wow, I have cried with each chapter. Eldon suggests only reading one chapter a day. I love Eldon's show and his books. Well, thank you, Rebecca, and I would remind all of you out there that there's still time to take advantage of the party special. Celebrating the release of my new book, What If. Check out the special incentives and over 100 gifts that can be yours. When you get your copy of the book from Barnes & Noble or Amazon, just go to eldentaylor.com and click on the party banner at the top of the page featuring the book for more information. All right, that's all the time that we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your email to eldon at eldentaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. You can also just leave comments on my website. I do try to read all of your letters. Obviously, we can't get them all on the air, but they do impact our programming and I highly value your input. So once again, thank you and keep them coming. Now to today's show, the power of premonitions. There are all sorts of premonitions in the world. Some are explained as hunches. Some come in dreams. There are those that even argue there is no such thing as a premonition, only self-fulfilling prophecies. Mystica defines premonitions this way. A premonition is a type of prophecy consisting of impressionable warning of a future event. The phenomenon is characterized by such sensations as anxiety, uneasiness, a vague feeling of disquiet, suggesting impending disaster to actual visual or auditory hallucinations. Premonition is sometimes referred to as a gut-level feeling. The sensation tends to occur prior to disasters, accidents, deaths, and other traumatic or emotionally charged events. Now, Aristotle was amongst the first to investigate premonitions. He concluded that since there was no general rule, and since God should be the only one sending this kind of information, that the entire matter was simply one of coincidence. Generally speaking, the world of hard science views premonitions as parapsychological, psychic phenomena. The British Society for Psycho Psychical Research has defined it as a form of precognition. Whether classified as precognitive or extrasensory perception, the phenomena has been often studied with mixed outcomes. That said, Louisa Rhine at the Parapsychology Laboratory of Duke University compiled the best-known and probably largest body of dream evidence. Dr. Rhine collected over 7,000 accounts of ESP experience. The majority of these accounts were dream-related and were seemingly precognitive in nature. However, David Ryback, a psychologist in Atlanta, used a questionnaire survey approach to investigate precognitive dreaming in college students. His survey of over 433 participants showed that 290, or 66.9%, reported some form of paranormal dream. Now, he rejected many of these claims ultimately reached a conclusion that 8.8% of the population was having actual precognitive dreams. Now, that's nearly 1 in 10 people seeing into the future. 
Do you believe that? Our guest today has written a powerful new book and genuinely a great read. You're going to want this one in your library. You're going to go back to it again and again. There are stories in there you're going to share with everybody you know. But in the new book, he offers an unprecedented look at the science of premonitions. In his book, The Power of Premonitions, How Knowing the Future Can Shape Our Lives, Dr. Larry Dossie argues for the capacity of the human being to know the future. But if we can know the future, does that mean we must accept determinism and discard our notions of free will? Or is there some place where the two are compatible? Dr. Larry Dossie is a well-known physician, author, and alternative medicine expert. Upon graduating with honors from the University of Texas at Austin, Dr. Dossie worked as a pharmacist while earning his MD from Southwestern Medical School in Dallas. Before completing his residency in internal medicine, he served as battalion surgeon in Vietnam, where he was decorated for valor. Dr. Dossie helped establish the Dallas Diagnostic Association, the largest group of internal medicine practitioners in that city, and was chief of staff of the Medical City Dallas Hospital in 1982. He is the author of nine books and numerous articles and the former executive editor of the peer-reviewed journal Alternative Therapies in Health and Medicine, the most widely subscribed to journal in its field. The primary quality of all of Dr. Dossie's work is its scientific legitimacy with an insistence an insistent focus, I should say, on, on what does the data show? What You know, let's just look at the data. As a result, his colleagues in medical schools and hospitals all over the country trust him, honor his message, and continually invite him to share his insights with them. He has lectured all over the world, including at major medical schools and hospitals in the United States, such as Harvard, John Hopkins, Cornell, and the Mayo Clinic. All right, let's meet our guest. One of Oprah's favorites. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Dr. Larry Dossie. Eldon, it's great. Uh, I don't know if I can live up to your lengthy introduction, which is very generous, and I thank you for it, uh, and I'm looking forward to our chat. Well, it's very true, and, and we are honored to have you join us. And, you know, I have not had the great pleasure of meeting you in person, but I have been reading your works and quoting your works all for some 20 years. So it is indeed my pleasure to meet you, even if it's over the airways like this. Tell me, let's begin by having you explain to our audience something I got a little bit of an insight on, but how is it you became interested in premonitions? Well, as these things uh, commonly begin, it uh, had to do with personal experience. Uh, I certainly didn't come out of my medical training with any any degree of open-mindedness toward this sort of thing. As a matter of fact, uh, I was taught that all of this stuff was just uh, California woo-woo, mumbo-jumbo, and, uh, <laughs> you know, didn't deserve a second look. Uh, I was brought up short uh, early on in my medical career. Uh, however, uh, actually in the first year I was practicing, practicing internal medicine in Dallas, I had a series of uh, what we, we now call precognitive dreams, uh, in which I, I saw very complicated, complex clinical outcomes uh, before they even happened uh, in, in dreams. Uh, th th this really upended my view of how the world was supposed to work because I, you know, I was uh, trained with the idea that people just simply cannot uh, 
see the future. Consciousness just doesn't work like that. But when you bump into these things yourself, you know, they can uh, really rearrange uh, uh, your way of uh, thinking about how the world works. Uh, I, uh, I had, uh, by that time, begun to write a bit about these issues of consciousness and its connection with the brain or the lack thereof. And uh, uh, my patients began to read some of the stuff that I would write. And they began to open up to me about their own uh, precognitive dreams. Uh, this was followed up by reports from nurses that I worked with on a daily basis in the hospital. Nurses happen to be some of the most precognitive uh, individuals that I know anything about. Uh, and then eventually physicians began to share with me their own uh, uh, experiences along these lines. And over the years, Eldon, this was... This was just a growing tide of evidence for me, but it all had to do with anecdote and story, which, as you know, isn't given a very high place in science in terms of uh, evidence. Mm -hmm. But then, back in uh, about 10 years ago, researchers began to do actual laboratory experiments called presentiment experiments that I think uh, firmly anchored the idea that we're not fooling ourselves when we talk about this stuff. You can put it to the test in the laboratory and what do you know? You can show that people can see into the future. So that's the uh, short uh, version of how I came uh, to be uh, interested in this, this area. You know, as a classically trained scientist with, with your background, uh, and, and, of course, the real world met you and, and changed that, I understand that, I relate to that one-on-one, -on -one, I guarantee you. <laughs> what, how, how did you integrate that into your into your personal life? Was, was it a transition, a slow transition, or was there a sudden about face? Or, or just exactly how did you integrate it? With great difficulty, uh, I, I must say, and with a lot of pain, because, you know, you don't switch your worldview overnight. At least I, don't, I, I, I find no. that, that to be true. So this was a gradual integration and a transformation for me. Uh, the, the, the thing is, though, if your patients begin to tell you about things that they've dreamed about, which you verify on physical examinations and clinical uh, laboratory studies and, and uh, the way their clinical path unfolds for you as their physician, it's sort of hard to uh, ignore integrating these things. I'll just give you one example. One, one morning, one of my patients who was a well-known attorney in Dallas uh, came to me and she said, I have breast cancer and I'm scared to death and I need your help. She went on to describe how she had had a dream the night before uh, in which, uh, I should say, ovarian cancer. Uh, I think I said breast cancer. But we, we, uh, her physical exam was normal. There was no evidence of any ovarian mass uh, at all on her exam. So we did a sonogram, and she had told me that in her dream she had seen three little white spots on her left ovary, uh, and she just knew that they were ovarian cancer lesions. So the, the sonogram showed exactly as she had dreamt that she had three little white spots on her left ovary on the sonogram, and uh, 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 so she nailed this with camera-like detail in her dream. Uh, fortunately, she got her diagnosis wrong, however, because these proved to be benign ovarian cyst and and not uh, uh, ovarian cancer. Wow. But uh, she had no business knowing what was going on uh, at that level of accuracy in her o ovaries, but she did. 
this was only one example that just uh, sort of flooded me over the years, uh, not just from uh, patients, as I mentioned, but also from nurses who are one of the most uh, premonition-prone groups of individuals I've ever bumped into. So I, I began to take these things seriously, Eldon, to get back to your question, and pay attention to these sorts of things. And uh, I have come to believe that uh, premonitions in dreams should be considered a form of preventive medicine because they so frequently warn us of upcoming problems that if we take them seriously, uh, we might stay alive. And that's what uh, preventive medicine is all about. So I think we, we have a lot of work to do in medicine of integrating these ideas into uh, medical practice and that's what I hope will be one of the outcomes of this book. Well, it's a great book, that's for sure. But now, as you made this transition, you've got your patients, you've got your own input. It's putting pressure on you one way, but you also have your peers and, and how you interact with your peers. And many people are unable to make that bridge. How did you do that? Well, I learned early on uh that the way not to do it is to, to, to try to sell skeptical physicians on this stuff. Uh, I gave that up early on. Uh, I've decided that the way to communicate with physicians is to communicate in the words and the terms uh, that they know best, uh, which is the language of science. And so I've always come at this with my colleagues in terms of what the science shows, what do the randomized double-blind clinical trials and, and lab experiments show, uh, what do the studies, not just in humans, but in animals and plants and so on, what do those things show? Uh, so my approach at all the medical schools and universities I've talked to uh, around the country, uh, I, I've just simply said, look, here it is. Take it or leave it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's a great yeah. attitude. You know, and, and, you know, yeah. we're quick in science. We're quick to, uh, you know, to discard the so-called anecdotal, but... But there is a point in time when you, you march up these testimonials, such as this attorney that you just had, and these experiences, they're, they're all subjective, and there's nothing objectively verifiable about the subjective, but there comes a point where in mass, the data itself just is overwhelming, doesn't there? Well, I think that's right. You know, there's something cumulative about uh, the stories that people tell. Uh, I would grant anybody that one story, you know, really doesn't uh, cause the ground to shake and make us uh, change our worldview. But if, uh, you know, you have thousands of these sorts of things, which we do, then maybe you ought to perk up and pay attention to them and see if you can confirm them by observations in the laboratory. That's where we are. This field of premonitions used to be about people's stories, and it uh, was considered a weak field because it seems to be nothing more than people's reports. But now the the story has changed. Uh, we can now talk about premonitions in science in the same sentence uh, and do so comfortably. And that's why this deserves another hearing, Eldon. It's because now we have stories that are uh, buttressed by uh, actual experiments. So this field is right. not going away. You know, it's, it's a whole new field because of the entry of science into the discussion. Becoming much, much stronger now. To that end, you have made an observation uh, that I, you know, I was uh, surprised about. I mean, it, and I'm sure it surprises everyone, but it has to do with the four planes that flew on 9-11 and their occupancy. Share that with our audience. Well, when I first bumped into the statistics, I was shocked. Uh, like 
a lot of Americans, I had this image that uh, four jam-packed uh, passenger jets uh, crashed on that terrible day. Uh, and we had four, you know, planes that were, were full of people who, who went to their death. That that wasn't what happened. Uh, the average occupancy rate of those uh, those planes was about 20 to 30 percent. Uh, they were all less than half full. One of them was only 16 percent full. And so these were largely vacant planes. Almost, uh, this had been almost forgotten or totally overlooked in uh, the discussion of what happened uh, on 9-11. But those are the statistics, and people can simply look them up on the Internet. They're freely available these days. And so it would appear that uh, a lot of people found some reason not to fly that day. If you go to the uh, Internet and you Google uh, dreams and premonitions of 9-11, you will come up with millions I repeat, millions of hits. Uh, I spent days in researching this book looking at videos on YouTube, which people had posted about their own dreams and premonitions of what was going to happen on 9-11. Some of these things make the hair on your, 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 your neck stand up. Uh, right. They're utterly compelling. Uh, just to say that uh, this is just one little clue. You know, it's not confirmatory evidence that any of these uh, things... Uh, should be should have been taken seriously, but if you find thousands or hundreds of thousands of them, I think we ought to pay attention. Particularly uh, if, as I say, you can uh, uh, add to this mix the rich uh, experimental evidence for people's ability to see the future. Right, and 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 that's largely done with random number generators. And when we get back, we, we might take that on. But I think a particular interest here. I mean, I have a friend that. Uh, is an author uh, prominently involved in healthcare, hospice care, uh, and has written a couple of books that had her own NDE. And, and in that near-death experience, she saw what was happening or was going to happen with 9-11 years in advance of that. But, but when you compile all that, Dr. Dossie, we have this conflict that comes right up to the top. Mm-hmm. And that conflict is free will versus determinism. There has to be a way that you've squared that with your your scientific training. Uh, we have a hard break that's coming up. When we come back from the break, I would like very much to have you you uh, take on this conflict between free will and determinism. And we'll go to the phones and we'll take uh, some phone calls. And uh, we'll also uh, open up. Uh, I've got several questions that have come from the chat room. But I'd also like you to tell some of the stories that are in your book because, you know, they may be anecdotal, but as you say, they do raise the hair on your back. They are the things that when you read them, you know this can't just be uh, happenstance. All right, you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. My guest today is Dr. Larry Dossie, and we're discussing his wonderful book, The Power of Premonitions, How Knowing the Future Can Shape Our Lives. This is truly a great book. You don't want to miss it. If you're in our chat room, enjoy the short film Ravinder has there for you. We'll be right back after these words from some of our friends, so be sure to stay tuned. Every day, every moment, we face choices. Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions, now revised, updated, and expanded. 
Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. InnerTalk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier, from losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing with Dr. Larry Dossey, a wonderful book, The Power of Premonitions, How Knowing the Future Can Shape Our Lives. But before we get back to today's show, I want to invite you to check out my blog at the Huffington Post. Also, how about liking our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio? As a fan of the show, you'll receive special announcements and incentives from time to time as our way of thanking you for the, your, your support. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there, and, of course, you can follow me on Twitter. All right, let's get back to the show. Before the break, we were discussing free will versus determinism. Now, Dr. Dossie, whenever you get into a situation where you're talking about the ability to see the future, we necessarily find ourselves negating the whole notion that that choice has anything to do. I mean, the future must be written, and ergo, you know, that's all there is to it. How do you reconcile this, or do you? Well, I think it's uh, an interesting uh, issue, and it's an argument, which, as you say, Eldon, it's just, it just never goes away. Uh, I, I'm almost amused by the argument, in a sense, because... It's, uh, it's an argument that is much more interesting for philosophers and, and hardcore scientists than it is for uh, real people. <laughs> okay. what, what I mean by that is this. If you ask people who have had uh, premonitions about upcoming events and you ask them, well, look, was this uh, future event written in stone or could you have uh, changed it, uh, did you have the option to, to modify it in some way? Uh, many of these people will just look, look at you as if you're nuts. They, they'll just say something like, why are you even asking me that? L- let me give you an example which illustrates please, uh, this. Please. Uh, in the book, I talk about a young mother I call Amanda, uh, who had an infant who uh, had come home from the hospital, uh, perfect delivery, and the baby was put in a crib, uh, in a room off the bedroom uh, of the husband and wife, and uh, above the uh, crib there was a chandelier, uh, and this woman had a dream one night. Actually, it was more of a nightmare, 
in which he saw the chandelier falling uh, right down onto the baby, crushing the baby, destroying the crib, uh, and so on. And in the dream, she saw a clock on the baby's bureau, which read 435, and uh, she wakes up. She She's horrified. She tells her husband the dream. He says, it's just a dream. You know, be quiet. Go back to, to sleep. Leave me alone. Uh, and she can't. She gets up and she brings the baby back to bed with them. Uh, a few hours later, there's a huge crash in the baby's room. She gets in, and sure enough, the chandelier has fallen from the ceiling and has wrecked the crib. If the baby had been there, the baby would have been killed. So this woman had a camera-like uh, version of the future in her dream. She intervened and saved the life of the baby, demonstrating that she apparently had the ability to change part of the future. The baby didn't die, as she saw in the dream, but she didn't change the, uh, the chandelier falling from the ceiling. That happened. So it, this is a complex issue. It suggests that even though we may not be able to change an event totally, at least we can modify the circumstances and make a huge difference in, in ways that count such as saving a life. I think right. that's the point to look at. My way of thinking, my image of this uh, whole uh, deal is this. Uh, I think the future is probabilistic. Uh, probabilities vary. There may be some aspects of the future that we cannot change, such as a volcanic eruption or maybe even a tsunami, something like that. But there are other circumstances in the future which are probabilistic and which can be modified. Those are the ones which seem to yield to our choices and our intentions in the present. So I'm not sympathetic with the idea that it's all written in stone. Uh, I think the, the, the aspects of the future that matter most, where survival is concerned, are those that are probably most amenable to being changed by our choices and intentions in the present time. Right. Well, and that's the question that I was going to ask you, and and and, and I and I, I have exactly that same view. But now I'm going to have to ask you. This is provocative enlightenment, so we stir the water a little bit here. I'm going to have to ask you about this. Uh, prophecy is often something that we know in dreams. I mean, we we hear about David's dreams from the Bible, and of course, those become the prophetic uh, words that uh, that save a nation. So, all over the internet right now. There uh, is all this information insisting that on May 21st, 2011, this year, Judgment Day or the rapture begins and that, you know, that will all conclude on the 21st day of October when uh, the earth will be destroyed uh, as a result of its 7,000 year flood that was uh, prophesied in the Bible. How do you take these kinds of prophecies because you've got to have people in an audience that are going to raise their hand when you're speaking and come off the wall with these things. How do you how do you integrate that with with, with and separate it, if you will, from what you consider to be solid and worth reacting to? Or am I out to lunch? Should I be worried about the world coming to an end on <laughs> May 21st? Well, I, I regard these things with a grain of salt. I'm not going to categorically say that these things are not going to happen. I have no way of knowing that, but uh, what I do know is the statistical record looks pretty, pretty, uh, pretty grim for these sorts of prophecies. <laughs> uh, so if you just want to go by the odds, they're not likely to be correct. Uh, I would say this to people who actually believe that: 
uh, if you actually believe that that's going to happen, uh, why don't you try to intervene? I mean, if you think we're all going to hell in a handbasket on May, t- May 21st or whatever it was, use your intentions and prayers and uh, wishes and wants and, and so on now to make a difference. Uh, I find that most people almost never do this. They just accept that that's the way it's going to be, and we're just all going to, you know, suffer and, and be doomed. But if people really believe that, it seems to me that ethically and morally they're obligated to try to change things. I never hear that part of the conversation uh, when these sorts of things come up. That is such an excellent point, such an excellent point. All right, I could hog all the time. You know, I've got another 30 questions here, please. <laughs> but but let's jump over and, and let's take a phone call. We have Rhonda on line two from Atlanta, Georgia, who's been very patient. Rhonda, you're, uh, you're on the air with Dr. Larry Dossie. You have a question, a statement? Yes. Um, hi, Eldon. Hi, uh, Dr. Dossie. Hi. Uh, I am just fascinated with your book. Um, for me, since I've been a young girl, I've had premonition dreams. Uh, matter of fact, I have a book wrote right now that I'm trying to find an agent for. Uh, but two weeks prior to the bad storms that hit on April the 18th, I dreamed of a well-defined tornado. Uh, and I knew it was coming. I just didn't know exactly the date that it would be happening. Uh, and I had emailed one of my friends, and I told her something was coming, something was brewing. And sure enough, you know, that's when all the storms hit. Uh, that's when, you know, I think 15 states was affected by tornadoes, um, and it was pretty deadly. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to say, uh, listening to your to the show, I am just so excited about your book and you putting it out there. Well, thank you, Rhonda. Uh, I know sometimes people look at me like I'm crazy when I warn them of things, but uh, it's just uh, that's who I am. And um, I, I just can't thank you for coming on this show and, and putting this information out. Well, thank you so much. Thank uh, you, Rhonda. Go ahead, Dr. Dusty. Well, I just want to say that I, I have a file drawer of uh, accounts from people who have uh, precognized natural disasters, uh, some some of these are so precise that uh, they really are shocking. Uh, this is part of who we are. There are some people who, I would just call them premonition prodigies, who have this ability. It often runs in families. It's generally carried on the mother's side. So there does seem to be a genetic predisposition for this sort of thing. But this is very real uh, stuff, and I, uh, I would encourage you to pay attention to them. Uh, I write oh, I about do. a lot of these uh, instances in the book. Uh, I would add that what you just said, that you had difficulty knowing the date and the, uh, uh, and, the, and the time, is a very common theme. Numbers seem to be very difficult to get in yes. pre- premonitory dreams, as you, you, you seem to have discovered on your own. So date and time are something that really are difficult to deal with. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we should uh, not pay attention to these things. Now, Dr. Right. Dossie, do, do you collect this kind of information on your website? I mean, do you have a place that our listening audience, as Rhonda, may have had an experience that they could send to you that you collect, or do you do that kind of thing? Well, I, I do. I have an ongoing research project where I, I, uh, I scrutinize these sorts of things and try to find patterns and processes. So people can go to my website, uh, which is dossie.com, 
And I, I would love to hear pe- from people about their experiences. If I Give may that add, website again. It's www.dossiedossie.com. D-O-S-S-E-Y, D-O-S-S-E-Y.com. That's that correct. correct. It's two dossies right. because Barbara, my wife, and I share the website. So that's why they're two dossies. Wonderful. You were about to say, I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off. I just want uh, to make sure everybody has that. Yeah. yeah, I, I just want to add that uh, there's another place where people can report their premonitions of uh, natural disasters and issues that may be of national interest and importance. The Arlington Institute has something, uh, has, has a project going called the Weather Map. I'm not oh. talking about weather like the climate. I, I'm talking about weather, W-H-E-T-H-E-R. They're trying oh. to find out whether or not if we assemble people's premonitions in one place, the statisticians may be able to make sense of them and predict terrorist attacks or natural disasters that the nation should know about ahead of time. So I'd, just a shout-out for people, if you have a premonition you think is uh, vivid and uh, maybe recurrent and, 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 and extremely likely to be valid, Go to the website and register your mm-hmm. premonition. Nobody's going to hassle you. You can do it anonymously. And the website is arlingtoninstitute.org. And you click on the weather map and, and just enter your premonition. That, that is really great. I mean, you know, I knew the Japan earthquake was coming, too. I'm really connected to uh, natural disasters. Well, good for you. Uh-huh. And uh, maybe, you know, if we could generate interest from, Thousands of people, we can find patterns and processes and put these premonitions to practical use. That would be wonderful. All right. Thank you for calling, Rhonda. We appreciate you sharing. And do go out there and do that. I encourage all of our listeners to do that. Let's jump over to the chat room, grab a question over there, and then we'll come back to our phones. Diane in the chat room asks, I was told that a true premonition is void of emotion. Is this true? So there is no fear or excitement. It's just a matter of fact. Uh, I don't think so. That may be true for some people, but uh, just from my own experience in the collection of uh, stuff that you mentioned from Louisa Ryan at the Ryan Institute, a lot of these premonitions are loaded with emotion. Consider the example I already gave of Amanda, who had the nightmare that the chandelier was going to fall and, and kill her infant. She was horrified by that. I mean, this was chock full of emotion. So there may be some cool customers out there who don't have emotions connected with these things, but that's uh, not a general rule, I think. Yeah, I think the data actually would would lend to, or tend to go the opposite direction. All right, let's go to line three. We have Catherine out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Catherine, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. You have a question for Dr. Dossie. Um, it was more of a comment, but thank you for well, taking please my call. Add it. Uh-huh. Uh, I just wanted to say that it's definitely so that you, if you have those premonitions, because I've had several very intense dreams that end up being premonitions, but when they're very intense like that, yep. I always pay attention to them. And one of the dreams that I had, um, I dreamed that my daughter died in a car crash when she was with somebody else. And so she was going, this is when she was little, and she was going regularly with this other family somewhere and so I just decided not to let her go anymore and I took her myself and they had an accident and that side of the car where she was supposed to be was smashed and she would have been severely injured if not killed and so I pay attention to those and I think you can alter them so I think that's very very true 
Well, I want to chime in uh, and and point out that that premonition that you as a mother had for your child is one of the most uh, recurrent uh, themes that runs through the whole body of premonition accounts. Uh, Carl Jung said that the mother-child bond was the most uh, powerful archetypal pattern in human existence. So I think we would predict that mothers' uh, premonitions for their children should uh, be extremely common. And indeed, when we look at these things, that proves to be the case. And Catherine, your your premonition for your daughter's safety is just a classic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks Thanks for for calling, Catherine. Have a great one. All right, Topaz in our chat room says, if we have a bad premonition, can we influence a better outcome? Is that why we have them? You may have already addressed that, but I I give you the question as it is. Well, yes, uh, uh, indeed, I think we can uh, improve the the outcome, as many of these examples we've talked about show. Uh, I just enlarge on that a bit. I I think premonitions are just a huge gift. Uh, I, I believe that they are related to biological survival. If you look at premonitions, it's no accident that so many of them are about threats to those uh, we love or to our own self. And so they do uh, help us uh, avoid threats to our health and to our, our physical existence. So I think these things serve a biological purpose, uh, perpetuating life, uh, avoiding disaster, anticipating health, issues before they come up. So, you know, if you if you read about premonitions, bear this in mind. These things are trying to help us. They're here for a purpose, and it's uh, largely our biological survival that's at stake when these things happen. Now, because you said biological survival, I, I, I've got to stop our back and forth here for a second and get one of my own in. Sure. Uh you know, Aristotle uh, took a look at premonitions. You heard that in the setup piece. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we have a, a great deal of, uh, of of spiritual interest all tied up to premonitions. Mm-hmm. If if we take biological survival and we look at it as a linear left brain scientist, I'm looking at some Darwinian artifact, perhaps. Yeah. If 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 I look at uh, the Aristotelian notion that this is the kind of thing that's given to us by uh, a guide, a, a god, uh-huh. uh, then I have an entirely different outcome. So right. now I'm going to have to ask you, when you say it, premonitions are based on biological survival, do you mean that exclusively? Absolutely not. And in the book, I, uh, I developed the idea that biological survival is only one benefit. I don't think that it's the major benefit. I believe the the major uh, the major benefit of premonitions is that they point to some sort of transcendental direction. Think of it this way. Uh, premonitions show that air consciousness is not confined to the body. It can range out at a distance and even forward in time. So premonition suggests that there's some aspect of who we are that is not confined to the here and now. It's not limited to the physical body and not even to the present. And in the book, I describe that uh, this is evidence for immortality of some aspect of consciousness. Uh, I I think that the implications, uh, the metaphysical, transcendental, spiritual implications are the most, most profound aspect of this whole area. If we get biological survival out of it, you know, 
hooray. I mean, that's terrific. But uh, the fact that they point toward immortality for some aspect of who we are is the greatest gift that these uh, experiences confer on human beings, in my judgment. And I think this has been overlooked because people just don't like to stick their toe in the water of uh, transcendental uh, uh, considerations because they're charged with, you know, having gone mystic and, you know, Elvin, the whole the whole uh, smear campaign against talking about uh, spirituality when it comes to, to human nature. I do indeed, but now what I'm hearing coming from you is the Dr. Larry Dossie I have come to love. Uh, and it's and that's the reason I asked you the question. I, I personally believe that, you know, it isn't about know thyself as much as it is about discover the higher self that is who we are. And I and, and so I, I, I didn't want to leave it at just a sanitized uh, notion of uh, biological survival. Well, I'm uh, if right. We, yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm just I glad did. you didn't. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'm glad you did push us over the frontier there because uh, we need to go there. You know, I, I think this fear of annihilation uh, with death of the body uh, is has caused more human suffering than all the physical diseases combined throughout history. And I, I think uh, premonitions point to a cure for this suffering because they show us that some aspect of who we are is just not confined to the physical body and couldn't die if it tried. Uh, the term I use for this aspect of who we are is non-local consciousness or non-local mind. And non-local is just a fancy word for infinite. So the gift that premonitions confer is this message that, you know, we we are eternal, we are immortal, we are infinite. Amen, amen. Let's go back to our phones. We have Lori from Hawaii on line one. Lori, welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Aloha. Boy, this is just all of a sudden turned into a huge subject. <laughs> um, you know, my question, when I was uh, just a teenager, uh, my sister got on a plane to go back to where she was living, and I had a premonition that I was not going to see her again, and she passed away that night. I'm 16 years old. You know, I'm not going to say anything to my parents. Oh, I just had this weird feeling come over me. So, you know, there's some guilt associated with that. Um, and now I'm, I have grown children, and uh, you were talking about dreams. Sometimes I have dreams that are horrible, but... You know, now I, I don't know if they're if it's a premonition, if it's just a bad dream, if I should do something about it, if I shouldn't do something about it. You know, there's um, <clears throat> there's there's just so much to this. Like you say, I mean, in the real world, do people believe you if you say, "Hey, don't get on that plane"? You know, I, I I'm not sure how to handle these things what, what is in intuition what is premonition right uh it's tricky you know every uh dream we have of the future uh, should not be considered valid mm -hmm. you know people have false memories of the past we can sure have false premonitions of the future in the same mm -hmm. sense uh, in the book i talk about some criteria that we can use to distinguish oh dream fantasies if you will from the real deal uh, I'll just briefly mention them. One we've already touched on is the vividness of the dream. Mm -hmm. uh, some people, or many people, say things like, uh, this was the most vivid dream I've ever had in my life. Mm 
Mm-hmm. There seems to be a quality about these things that turn out to be true that sets them apart from the average uh, nonsensical or fantastic dream that never uh, uh, proves uh, out in real life. So the vividness is one criteria, and the other is the recurrence. Uh, often these things that turn out to be true just keep hammering away and coming back night after night. Uh, that's a clue to take uh, a premonition-type dream seriously. The other is that if they deal with death, uh, Carl Jung, the, the great psychiatrist, said that if you have a dream of death, take it seriously because you might not get a second chance. Another criterion is whether or not these things are associated with profound physical symptoms, like absolute utter anxiety or a sense of crisis or approaching doom, that sort of thing that just shakes a person up completely. As it Dr. did. Dr. Dossie, yes. I'm sorry, but we're just running out of time. <laughs> uh, it has been wonderful to have you here. How could our listening audience reach you in 10 seconds? Well, it's easy. It's www.dossydossy.com. And and they can leave a comment or a message there for you. Do you, do you respond to them? I try to answer every one of them, Ellen. Oh, you're wonderful. All right, listen. The book is The Power of Premonitions, How Knowing the Future Can Shape Your Lives. I, I give this a five-star and an absolute, I'd have to have this one in my library. I want to thank you all for listening today, and I, I hope that you've enjoyed our show and that you'll join us again next week, same time and same place. And if you have comments about our show, do let us all know. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters.